Hi, I'm Rhea Chakraborty. Imandi Buller. My name is Isaac Ali. And Yuja Krishna Kumar. And this is Contextual Keats. Change. It happens all the time, and we all have different ways to cope, whether we choose to embrace it with open arms or not. Change. It occurs constantly and has throughout time, significantly impacting the course of our history. Change. Living to inspire and see a world different and hopefully better. Change. The ways in which humanity seeks reform to rectify the past mistakes. One such change are revolutions. Just as the earth revolves around the sun, we revolve around change. It's the only way we can survive and sustain our existence. On today's episode, we will solely focus on the topic of revolutions, looking into the Industrial Revolution, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, and Thomas Paine. The early 17th century, an era of agricultural excellence, which soon enough became outdated. Long gone were the days of farmers and manual labor to support the economy. Instead brought forth were the use of machinery and industrial manufacturing. This was a time where technology thrived, a movement essentially, which brought on huge cultural, social, and economic changes. The term industrial revolution was coined and first popularized by a man named Arnold Toneby, who was an economic historian in England. In history, there are two major industrial revolutions. The second one takes place between the late 19th and early 20th centuries. This revolution was much more prevalent in the Americas and was central to the United States. There was major expansion in many fields and departments. There was a greater use of railroads, there was rapid economic growth, and amazing feats in science and technology were accomplished. Some key discoveries of the time were the assembly line, plastics, and computers. Along with all this, as with any revolution, there came major ideological changes with the times. In this episode of Contextual Keats, the primary focus is the first industrial revolution, taking place sometime between the years 1760 to 1840. For the larger portion of this time, the revolution was constricted to Britain, which then went on to spread to the rest of Europe and the world in the coming years. What actually transpired the first industrial revolution was the advances in the textile industry. Spinning yarn became much easier with the help of a machine called the spinning jenny, which was just the stepping stone. Other changes like widespread use of steam and coal further pushed forward the new philosophies of this revolution, which adopted a new factory-based system. Some resulting effects of the Industrial Revolution were management to oversee labor distribution, faster production meaning cheaper products, an increased city population, greater importance in international trade, and most importantly, the growth of the middle class. Some of the things to come out of this were locomotives, electricity, automobiles, telegraphs, petroleum, steam engines, photographs, typewriters, and the printing press, to name a few. Although this revolution seems highly glorified, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. During this time, there was a lot of issues as well, especially when it came to labor. Poor wages and subpar working conditions were what the revolution had to offer. From these issues, other issues like child labor also sprung up. Nearing the latter, opinions were more split and brought about a lot of working class movements. With the consideration of all these factors, clear trends can be seen in the ways which the first industrial revolution impacted literature. When looking at literature at the time, 
There were phases which writing and poetry went through. Overall, it can be said that the general public view of written subject matter and poetry were not taken well. However, it's important to consider that the opinions were highly split and varied greatly from person to person. More so initially, scholars, intellectuals, and other authors expressed great content and interest in science. It came with precision, logicality, and the ideas of science became ever so popular as older as compared to older beliefs, even slowly steering away from religious opinions. Literature in general also became more widespread as people now had greater access to written works. The population was also more educated, allowing for greater outreach among people. Things such as widespread use of printing presses allowed millions of copies to be made to distribute among the people. Along Um, With this, another invention of the time was typewriters, which developed a new way in which we could write. It created greater efficiency in writing and introduced many opportunities to the literary community, and even beyond that. Romantic literature, on the other hand, had a different perspective on the revolution, which reflected through their works. Evidently, there was a shift from nature to the more favorable machines and factories. Romantic writing and poetry. The goal of romantic writing and poetry was to guide us back to nature and let us be in tune with our emotions, rather than being consumed by the industry and technology. In chapters in the life of a Dundee factory boy by Frank Forrest, it is demonstrated that long hours and the below average working conditions When looking at the controversial subject of child labor, we can analyze William Blake's Songs of Innocent, the Chimney Sweeper, and Songs of Experience, the Chimney Sweeper. The poem shares the idea of innocent children being sold away to labor and publicly criticizes this, as it shows an almost anti-ideology of the industrial age. The poem shares, They clothe me in the clothes of death, which can be seen as a child being covered in soot. This is also a dangerous profession as it talks about the clothes of death. We can even look at the novel Hard Times by Charles Dickens, where it portrays a situation in which machinery leads to a wasteland and presents the dangers of embracing machines over emotional intelligence. In William William Woodsworth's preface to the second edition of Lyrical Ballads, he implies that our minds become reduced as technology expands further and further into our lives. Many romantic poets denounced urbanization and the other problems that came with revolutions such as William Blake, Percy Shelley, William Woodworth, and John Keats. All in all, we can see that the remarkable impact the Industrial Revolution had on society and its impact on romantic literature. And with that being said, we've concluded our session on the Industrial Revolution. The American Revolution is one of the three revolutions which have greatly impacted poetry during the Romantic era. First of all, the American Revolution, also known as the United States War of Independence or the American Revolutionary War, lasted from 1775 to 1783. During the Revolution, three of Great Britain's North American colonies won political independence. The Americans were revolting against British rule as they lost control over their trade and industry taxes and were treated unfairly with brutality. War began only as a fight for rights, later becoming a war for independence. France in 1775 and Spain in 1779 also joined the colonies against Britain. 
Eventually, the British surrendered at Yorktown, ending the fighting in 1781, and Great Britain eventually signed a formal treaty recognizing the independence of the colonies. As a result of the American Revolution, the American settlers gained freedom, political independence, and strength. Now that we have a basic understanding about what the American Revolution was, let's get into how it impacted poetry. As you may or may not already know, the American Revolution greatly impacted poetry, and the revolution signaled the start of new kinds of English poetry and philosophy, demonstrating the way in which the American Revolution was rooted and the understanding of freedom and equality. In other ways, poetry also became a weapon where both sides of the war were stating their points and celebrating heroes through poetry. A memorable poet of the time was Philip Frenel, who celebrated poetry and created it, which served as a propaganda. He also wrote a series of anti-British satires. His political poetry was usually satiric, but it definitely portrayed his love for nature, which is something quite typical in poetry during the Romantic period. Another poet whose poetry was greatly influenced by the Revolution was William Blake. Through poetry, William Blake expressed the American Revolution as a struggle involving angels, mythology, and history. America, a Prophecy by William Blake represents the American Revolution as a universal revolution. In short, the American Revolution greatly affected poetry, especially in romantic poetry. Now, enough about the Americans and their revolution. Let's look at La Révolution Française, deemed by some to be the most violent of Western revolutions. The French Revolution occurred from 1787 to 1799. The primary cause is often believed to be the Western social systems, specifically the feudal system. What is the feudal system, you ask? The feudal system is a social structure where those of higher social class will impart to their farmland to peasants who care for it and pay their, as we would call it now, rent to the means of produce. In the 1780s, the importance of the system progressively decreased. Peasants were enlightened to the unfairness of feudalism, igniting their wishes to abolish it. Similarly, communists or bourgeois gained wealth and prosperity, leading to their wanting of political power. Another commonly accepted cause of the revolution was the ideology from the Enlightenment period. Of the beliefs of the time, the idea that men were ordained by God to perform certain roles was rejected, and consequently the concept of who could be royalty itself was questioned. The collective pressure of all these ideas, questions, wishes, and wants are what pushed France into a revolution. The revolution itself is composed of three major events. The aristocratic revolt, the new regime, and the war between the revolutionaries and the counter-revolutionaries. The aristocratic revolt from 1787 to 1789 led to the abolition of the feudal system, while the new regime allowed redistribution of lands and wealth allowing further balance of power between those of high social class and those who were not. The war between the revolutionaries and the counter-revolutionaries from April 1792 to 1799 consisted of the abolition of the monarchy, the execution of the last king of France, Louis XVI, and the rise of General Napoleon Bonaparte. But what is the relationship between the revolution and poetry? To understand this, we look at two poets, William Wordsworth and Samuel Taylor Coleridge. The revolution has had an impact on the romantic poets of the new era. That is Dr. Muhammad Rizwan Sheikh M.A., an assistant professor who has written a paper in the Indian Journal of Research on this very subject. This attachment to the French Revolution was not simply ideological. It was emotional as well. Wordsworth was at that time torn between two loyalties, 
The confusion was treated by Wordsworth in his autobiographical poem, The Prelude in Great Details. In The Prelude, Wordsworth also writes a poem of the title, The French Revolution, as it appeared to enthusiasts as commencement, in which he writes, Old times, in which the meager, still, repeating ways of custom, law, and statute took at once. This displays his clear disapproval and view of the social system of the time. But what about his dear friend, Samuel Taylor Coleridge? Coleridge was profoundly influenced by the French Revolution and the revolutionary enthusiasm of Wordsworth. Stafford A. Brooke remarks, Almost all his best poetic works is coincident with the revolution. Afterwards, everything is incomplete. France and Ode is one of these pieces of poetic work, in which he writes, With what deep worship I have still adored the spirit of divinest liberty. Like fiends embattled by a wizard's wand, the monarchs marched in evil day, and Britain joined the dire array. We see a British man condemn the British themselves in defense of the revolutionary French. Needless to say, it is clear that the French Revolution played a significant role in the poets and their work at the time. And now for our special guest tonight, Poltergeist Payne. Ahaha, please call me Thomas. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom. My most recent adventure was, well, back on June 8th, 1809 when I died an Englishman in New York. Ostracized for my ridicule of Christianity, only six people attended my funeral. Quite the disappointment. And get this, an English newspaper radical not unlike myself dug up my bones and shipped them to England, a most uncomfortable journey, for a more worthy burial, but this never came to pass. Well, what a shame. But not to worry, you are credited as one of the Founding Fathers. What's your story? Your mortal one, anyway. I've been through many, uh, pains in my life. On January 29th, 1737, the first day of my life, I came through the first pain, my mother, Frances Payne. Following a chain of occupations that took me from Norfolk to London, Sandwich and Margate, and back to London, I secured letters of introduction from Benjamin Franklin, who I had met in London previously. I embarked on my journey to the New World in April of 1774. And if I'm not mistaken, there was quite a mishap along the a way. A mishap? It was a miracle I was to survive. Suffering from putrid fever, I had to be carried ashore. Anyhow, I made an acquaintance with Robert Aitken, who employed me to edit the Pennsylvania Magazine, sculpting quite a reputation in political circles in Philadelphia. Feeling encouraged by my acquaintances, I began to work on a pamphlet to defend American independence. And so Common Sense was published. And how did you defend American independence, Tom? Without reciting your pamphlet, let's keep the segment short. I call for unity. Against the corrupt British court, the king that causes our outrage, for America must provide the asylum for liberty. Realize separation is inevitable. Common sense was the most read pamphlet of the American Revolution. How did you accomplish this? Common sense was written differently. 
in a style that should be used in my envisioned democratic society. Complex political ideas were made comprehensible to common folk. Resenting rhetoric against the crown was spoken concisely, without formality. Common sense had brought the ideas of our Congress elites to a vast audience. After your contributions to the American Revolution, including many pamphlets and the funding of the revolution, you returned to London and got caught up in something else. I was back in London by 1787 and became engrossed in the French Revolution. One very conservative-minded, so-called intellectual Edmund Burke blasted the revolution in reflections on the revolution in France. Malheureusement, it sold 30,000 copies. I felt obligated to refute this nonsense, and so I wrote The Rights of Man, a 90,000-word book. I attacked Burke and the Revolution Settlement of 1688, postulating popular political revolution is permissible when a government does not safeguard the rights of its people. And I must say, you outdid Burke by quite a number. The Rights of Man sold nearly a million copies. It seems our time is up, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. What a democracy we live in now. Thomas Paine's work had a huge impact in the Romantic era. Of course, both the French and American revolutions greatly influenced most Romantic poets, but Paine also had more personal connections. Paine himself was a respectable poet, although his political works take the spotlight. Paine connected with famous Romantic poets including William Woodsworth and William Blake. Woodsworth met Paine when he visited France and sympathized with his political ideas. Blake's poem, London, in Songs of Experience, takes inspiration from the rights of man. An analysis of the original draft manuscript for the poem shows that in the line, near where the chartered Thames does flow, chartered was originally dirty. Chartering was a process of corporate ownership effectively transferring public land to private hands. Paine felt chartering was anti-democratic, and Blake showed his affinity with Paine replacing dirty with chartered. It would be an obviously political word to his readers at the time. And that is Thomas Paine. A corset maker by trade, a journalist by profession, and a propagandist by inclination. Radical revolutionary, born English and turned utterly American, Payne's legacy inspired poets and politicians alike. You're listening to Contextual Keats. I'm Nia Chakrashakumar. I'm Bria Chakraborty. Imandi Buller. Isaac Ali. What other historical events have you noticed changing the world of poetry and literature? If you would like to share any of your personal experiences or pieces of work, visit Harold and Bradley's Secondary School. And if you missed something during this episode, feel free to listen to the Revolution Song created by us for you. Do the link below. You can find other episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.